How much longer will Kyle Whittingham be the head coach of the Utah football team? We're talking his retirement, how soon it's going to be, or how much longer he's going to be the coach on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. I want to thank all of you who continue to subscribe and support our show on YouTube. We're on the road to 1,000 subscribers, about 70 away right now, so appreciate all of you who continue to support, like, and comment on the show. You guys can hit us up on social media. I'm at JT Wistersill, or you can hit us up at Lockdown Utes. Tomorrow's show, we'll be doing a Q&A, so taking your guys' questions, so make sure you guys hit us up to get those answered. But on today's show, we're diving into the big question. It's one a lot of people have been asking recently. And just over the past few years is how much longer will Kyle Whittingham be the coach of this team? And in order to help us answer that, it's KSL.com's Josh Furlong. And Josh, a lot of people have been asking this for a while now, and it makes sense, right? Look, Kyle Whittingham, he's 63. His contract runs through 2027. He has five seasons left, but he has said before that he originally didn't intend to coach past 65, but that was before everything really changed when you're winning Pac-12 championships, then you're entering Rose Bowls, you're getting bumps in recruiting. But look, he's been ahead. He's been coaching for 37 years. He's been the head coach for 17 years. And both those, it's a grind either way. It's a grind to work your way up and get to that point. And then is it a grind to, we can talk about in a bit, all the things he's kind of, the changes he's had to kind of adjust to and navigate, but um, he's gone through a lot. So if I had to guess though, for how much longer he's going to be coaching, I just look at that 20 seasons, Mark. I feel like 2025 will be his last season. I don't think he's going to hit the 2027. That's just me personally. It just, it just, that seems like a long time to keep going, but there's something about 20 seasons that seems really special to me. So to me, I feel like 2025 will be his last season. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a set number on that. And I don't know if he's, he's necessarily looking at it that way either. I think it's, it's one of those things where as long as he's continually having fun and, and really enjoys his job. I think that's that's more of the driving factor. Um, the reality is, is you know, even after this year, it was still a toss up, right? I you know, mm-hmm. I've I've heard that it was 50-50, um, that he you know really kind of come came down to the wire and was deciding what he wanted to do. So I, I think this is kind of going to be where it's it, it is every single season, um, as long as he continues to enjoy it. It's not a chore to him, right? Like I mean, it's a job, but mm-hmm. I think if you, you hear like professional athletes a lot say that. Once once playing became a chore or a job, then I felt like I needed to retire. And I think that's kind of very similar to Kyle. I think once he feels like this is something that is, you know, it's just a grind he's going through and he doesn't enjoy it. I think that's when he's going to hang it up. And I, I, you know, look, I don't I don't see him ever going to that 2027 season. He's just going to, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, fall off onto the wayside with uh uh, with his special advisor role that he has written yeah. to his contract. Um, but the reality is, is this could be his last year. It could be three years from now. And I don't think anybody knows. He keeps that very close. He's very mm-hmm. close, um, tight with that. And, um, you know, nobody will know until he knows. So I think it'll be an interesting dynamic to see. I think this could be a season that could go really well for Utah, or it could be really, really strong. You know, it could be a struggle with uh, 11 power five games. Um, does that make it more of a chore for him? I don't know. So look, anybody that can tell you, okay, he's going to retire after this year. I mean, it's all speculative. I don't, you know, Mark Harlan doesn't know. Kyle doesn't know. So I think, I think it's, it's closer than, than many would expect. But I, I, I think, you know, as long as he's having fun, it's, it's going to last. 
I mean, he keeps random injuries close to the vest, so he's not going to let anyone know about what some of this personal retirement is going to be. That's something that I feel like it'll definitely be announced by him. I don't expect to see um, Pete Thamel uh, tweeting it out per se. I feel like that'll be the department releasing a statement because of how close and just a special relationship they have there. Um, but a couple of things make it interesting about his future. Number one, as as you reported back when after the first Rose Bowl in 2021, he did, or in 2022, actually, it was just off the 2021 season. He did see an increase in a raise, $4.5 million per season. He's going to continue to see things go up from there and you also talked about it too look he does have that um the special assistant to the athletic director um if whittingham coaches all the way through the end of his contract on december 31st 2027 this is from the salt lake tribune his role as special assistant to the ad would last for six years and pay him one sixth of his total compensation retirement between january 2020 2025 and december 30th 2027 triggers seven years and one seventh of total compensation while retiring on or after december 31st 2024 means eight years and one total one eighth total of compensation. So there's a lot there, obviously a lot of different numbers, a lot of different things that can factor into his, uh, his decision. And one thing I do wonder, and like you said, he just keeps things so close to the vest. It's hard to tell. Do you think the chance to get into the college football playoff with the future of its expansion is appealing to him? Cause I got to believe it is a chance to get into and say, Hey, I coached in a playoff game and just get in there and just see if you got a chance to do anything. I got to believe that's at least somewhat appealing, even though he is operating under kind of this year to year basis, it seems like. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think all those things appeal to him. Um, and then that happens next year. Well, yeah, after next year's season, yeah. um, that that would happen. So uh, I, I definitely think that that's something that would appeal to him. I don't think that it's something that would necessarily be the driving factor of keeping him right. I think it's more honestly just going to come down to what he feels, um, you know. And if he, you know, he he's still going to be a part of it, and so I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, he's going to have his recruits. He's going to be, you know, closely tied to the program and probably mentor or 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 give help to. Uh, whomever fills uh, that that spot, and so I think, you know, whether he's on the sidelines or whether he's at at you know in whatever capacity he's at, I th- I think he's okay with it, right? I I don't necessarily put these benchmarks on it like oh he's not going to coach past sixty five or he's gonna he's gonna want to do this or I I don't think he honestly cares about round numbers or doing different things that way. I think it's more just the opportunity and, and what feels good to him at the time. It's interesting, too, when you talk about Coach Witt, because he's been through a lot since he said that in 2019, like, oh, I don't intend to coach back 65. He's dealt with um, the loss of a couple of his players. Also, obviously, navigating the COVID season, all the different changes in terms of recruiting. There's there's just a lot there. How do you feel like from talking to him? Because, look, you've obviously been interviewing and covering him for a very long time now. How do you feel like his mood and just kind of his attitude has changed? Because I, I, the times I was ever in a press conference with him this past season, it did seem like he was having a lot of fun this year still, and things have changed there. But how much of a wear and tear did you think some of those, the COVID seasons and then losing some of the players, how much of a toll did you think that took on him? And do you think it does have any impact on his coaching future or because he's having a good time right now, it kind of is like, he's kind of past that and feeling good about it again. I think he's past that. I mean, those, those 2020 season and 2021 season that really weighed on him. You could see it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially after Aaron Lowe was, was killed. That one really, everything just kind of combined on him, right? Like you had COVID, then you had Ty Jordan's death and, and those were hard in its own rights. And, and you could write a whole book probably on these types of things, but then all of a sudden Aaron, you know, his death really just impacted it. And and it was one of those things where you would see him and I wouldn't say it was a chore for him to come to press conferences because he's, that's not his personality, but you could definitely see the weight of the world on his shoulders. And when they started getting closer to, you know, we're going to get to the Pac-12 championship and, you know, we're going to do it. You could kind of see it changing in his, his just demeanor. Right. And so you were seeing him starting to have fun again and, 
there was there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to retire after that season just based on his demeanor right Mm -hmm. and then whatever it was i can't you know we're two years removed now and my brain is lush but uh near the end of that season when when they had that stretch and you're getting closer to that oregon game where you you know you know, Covey takes it back and they, they they do all those things and they're starting to have fun. You started to see Kyle change and you started to see him have fun again. And then they get to the Pac-12 championship and you're starting to see them have fun again. And then they get to the Rose Bowl. It all, all just kind of built up into, you know, okay, he enjoys this job again. And then last year it was pretty much for the most part, all fun for him, right? Like he was joking. He was having some fun. He was still business. It's still Kyle winning him. Um, but for the most part, you never really saw him have that same demeanor as he had. It was more just, he would talk in, uh in future conversation like talking about the future but in ways that almost didn't even include him that that kind of gave me pause but i still think that he was having a lot of fun and, and still doing everything that he wanted to do and i think that's what what kept him there so i think those things have have, have passed right i think he's he's weathered the nil storm and he's weathered the transfer yeah. portal and not that those things don't bug him you can tell that there's things and aspects of that that bug him but I, I think he's gotten to a point now where he's comfortable with it to, you know, whatever the chaos is, can you ever be comfortable with chaos? But I think that's, you know, he's in a good spot that way. There's a lot of uncertainty with realignment right now. Do you think if Utah jumped conferences, let's say by 2024, because the conference media rights deal is coming up here, something like crazy like that happened. Do you think he would stay on through a realignment thing? I don't. Honestly, I think, you know, he saw how difficult it was to move from the Mountain West to to the Pac-12 and, and, and obviously it wouldn't be the same kind of jump, right? Because if you're moving from, let's say, the Pac-12 to the Big 12, um, that's more of a, a linear yes. change. So I, I don't think that one would be as hard. And so I, I could see maybe he stays on for that for a year to kind of help with the transition. But I just I don't think he wants to be a part of that anymore. I, you know, he's talked many times of how difficult it was to be able to go through that. I mean, he's given his, you know, every part of his being to be able to get to where they are. And that just took an emotional toll to be able to say, you know, we, you know, we are Utah. This is who we are. This is what's going on. Um, and, and finally getting that respect. And these last few years, you know, Utah's finally gotten that respect. I do think he he wants to be able to win a, a bowl game moving forward. You know, he had this great record. And then yeah. starting in 2019, even earlier, they just kind of they haven't been able to put it together. So I think there's some aspects there, but I don't even that I don't think is is something that he you know, he's going to hold on to coach until he wins a game. So. It's going to be really interesting to see when Kyle Whittingham does decide to hang it up. It's also going to be really fascinating of who's going to replace him. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back, even if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on any, everything from the money line to the point scores, threes drained. Also, guys, it gives you opportunity to go into the money line, as we talked about. There's lots of things you can use with FanDuel. You can do player props, points, rebounds, assists. The NBA season is back tonight. So make sure you guys tune in to all the games and get in on the action at FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Josh, I think the last thing to talk about with Coach Whittingham is before we move on to who could be his replacements is he's not going to do what um I can't believe I'm breaking on his name, but uh, Mike Kretzer of Duke just did right where he just had this like farewell. See, like that is not Kyle Whittingham's side. So I feel like if this announcement, whenever it does come, is going to be I give it a slim chance it would be in December, but that'd be leading up to a bowl game. And I still don't think he wants to do that. 
And with the way the college football calendar is, like it's 365 recruiting and everything now, there's not a great time to do it. You get spring ball starting up in March. I, I don't feel like you'd want to do this in February. It feels like this would be kind of like one of those like early June announcements, depending on what Utah was going to do. Because like I said, I mean, any other time, it just makes it a distraction or it could take away from recruiting, which you don't want to have happen. It just makes it really difficult to pick like a good time to do it because the way the calendar works. Yeah. On one hand, I agree with you that, you know, that he's not going to go on a farewell tour, right? Yeah. Like he's not going to announce before the 2023 season and say, this is my last year and, yep. and let everybody praise him. Right. One That's last ride. 100% not his, his style. However, the way that he's, he's crafted his, his contract and the way that he's kind of created his staff, it, it, it very much so fits where he can kind of ride out into the sunset. And mm -hmm. so what that means is he can essentially, for me, I see it as after a bowl game, I, you know, he'll, yeah. he'll get through the signing class. He'll do that. I don't think he cares about that February signing class just simply because most sign yeah. in the early period anyway. So that's mm -hmm. not really an issue. And he's, you know, he gets these conversations all the times with recruits about, are you staying? Are you going? I think he's, he's honest with them and says, look, I'm, I'm at near the end of my time you know, but we've got a great staff that's going to stay intact. So the reality is, is he's built this up to be able to, to move forward. And, and the way that Morgan Scally's contract has been written and the way that they've been mentoring him and the way that he's been able to acclimate into the program, this would be an easy transition for Kyle at the end of a bowl game to be able to say, okay, I'm retiring and we're now moving on to Morgan Scally. Mark Harlan's going to be on board with that. You know, he's worked really well with Mark over the years to be able to, to kind of lead into that role Look, they're not giving Morgan Scally the contract that they gave him if they don't have the confidence that he yes. can take with it, right? So this is one of those things where I see this as the, perf the perfect rollout for the, the program. They can transition real seamlessly. Kyle can still stay on as a mentor and kind of help Morgan as he's he's developing as as a head coach. But the reality is, is like if, if you think that Morgan hasn't been taking responsibilities off on the side right now, I think you're probably crazy. So what those responsibilities are is, is anybody's guess, but – you know, I think he's he's definitely like pushing himself into that role and, and giving him that. So this will be a nice rollout for Utah. It'll come after a bowl game, most likely. Could it happen in a June? Could it happen? Sure. I just yeah. don't see that Kyle wants to wait. And so I think once it happens, that's where the rollout is. And and you kind of move forward and the recruits are there and they're OK. So, I you know, they, they've crafted this perfectly. I think they've they've positioned themselves well, barring something crazy that hasn't happened yet. You know, I think this is the, the direction that Utah is going to go. You mentioned seamless transitions. I mean, that's exactly what it is when we're talking about who will be their next coach, right? It's going to be Morgan Scally. When you look at just the qualities and what he brings to, he's a clear leader of men in a locker room. I think Sharif Shaw is someone who could be an excellent head coach in the future someday, but you look at Morgan's experience, what he's done, the defensive side of the ball, Utah's been a force on that side for a long time. The offense has come around recently with Andy Ludwig, but just even when you like just talk with Morgan Scally, like you just feel the head coach vibes, the leadership, the way he galvanizes a room, just the command he has. And I think Andy Ludwig's a very good offensive coordinator, but it just it definitely feels like Morgan Scally is the guy to be the next head coach of this team for what he's done, the way his players respect him. When that when there were lots of things coming out in the past, you heard how many former players stuck up for him, defended him, talked about what a kind of person he is, what he does for his kind of players. And that's the kind of thing you want. I think another thing I love about Morgan Scally is he does a fantastic job recruiting out of state, particularly in Texas, which there is so much talent in Texas, Florida, California. Those are the big ones you got to hit. Utah has footprints and has gotten recruits to come from each of those states in. I think it's especially essential to keep that Texas foothold. And I think that's something Morgan Scally would do a great job of. I think he's an excellent recruiter and coach. And I absolutely agree with you. He's the guy. 
Yeah, and it's uh, let's be let's be real. It's not going to be easy for him to transition to that head coach role because that noise surrounding him yeah. is going to get much louder. The university is prepared for it, and and you know they're going to you know it's, assuming this is the direction until yep. it's official, it's not you know. But yep. I think they're going to be prepared. He's taken a lot of classes to kind of help him. The the reality is is he said some things that he thought he was comfortable with, and it it, it didn't work, and, and it's inexcusable. He says it as much. Um, he's not hiding from it. Uh, it, it's just a matter of, of showing the progress that he's made and kind of what he's done. But I think, like you said, you know, the, the players and the people that are around him support a lot of it. Does that mean that the things that happened in the past should be ignored? No. Yes. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, he's moved on from it. He served his suspension. He's gone through the classes. He's still going through the classes to kind of keep himself on top of it and, and making sure that he is, you know, sensitive to that and understanding his role as a coach, as well as just a human being, right. Especially as a white person and that's lived in utah pretty much his entire life so mm-hmm. um th- this is the reality of it and, and i think you know it, it's going to be a lot of noise to start but at the same time i think utah's done enough to be able to show that he's he's made the progress he's done what he can do but he is he is easily the the, the best fit for that you know there's other coaches out there that um they don't necessarily even want head coaching jobs right maybe shaw yeah. doesn't you know, I, I, I've heard that Shaw wants to stay as a position coach because he likes the, the intimacy of there. I think he could be a good DC, but um, there's that Andy Ludwig. I can see Ludwig retiring the same time that Kyle retires, maybe yeah. staying on for a year or something to help Morgan or whatever that may be. But you know, look, I, I, I think this will be a new era with, with Morgan Scally. Things will change. It's not going to be the same Kyle Whittingham run team, but I think it's going to have a very similar mindset and it's going to have the same structure. So uh, I, I think this team is, is, is built for a long time, you know, barring Morgan, just being a terrible head coach. I don't think Utah's going to be in a world of hurt. They may not be at the top. We don't know. Right. Yeah. But I think they're going to at least have the structure and the, the ability to be able to do the things the way that Kyle did it. When even if there's a down year, there's no reason to jump ship. I think about like Duke men's basketball right now, because we talked about much coach Kretzer earlier. Like they're obviously, look, I, I don't think anyone expects them to make a final four run this year. And look, no one thought that about North Carolina last year in during coach Davis's uh, Huber Davis or coach Huber, excuse me, his first uh, year with the Tar Heels. And then they end up turning around. So you never know, but either way, I think he did a great job highlighting to like, he made a mistake. He's acknowledged that he's taken the steps. He's tried to grow for that. And, Look, I think he has the support of that locker room and the support of the team, and that's what's most important. And they know what kind of person and man he is now, and they recognize the progress and the steps he's made. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it all works out when he does get that job. And look, if Andy Ludwig does step away, I think you mentioned like Coach Shaw stepping into the D.C. role. If Scali takes head coach, I think Jim Harding would make a lot of sense to slide into the offensive coordinator position. There's a lot of reasons to think that when Coach Whittingham's talking to these recruits and says, look, I'm closer to the end than the beginning – we have a lot of successful pieces in place. That is evident when you watch this team play and the way the coaching staff operates. And whenever we get a chance to speak to these coaches too, who do a great job talking to the media, handling everything too, you can tell these guys are going to be in good hands, whoever is running the helm of the Utah football program. So it's going to be exciting to see. We're going to talk about Utah gymnastics in a moment, but first really quick, want to touch on Utah basketball because we did not get positive news on Raleigh Rooster, Josh and Raleigh, Gabe, it's really starting to pile up here. Um, Coach Smith kind of reaffirmed that Mike isn't just really there yet either. So Look, there was a lot of excitement and optimism during the middle of the season, right, when things were really going the way, and now this team is kind of coming. Look, they already won 17 games. This season is already a huge success, but it feels like they're limping towards the finish a little bit, Josh. Absolutely. I mean, they they were hitting kind of their stride. That doesn't mean that they were perfect or that they didn't yeah. have, you know, their warts or whatever that may be. Um, but they were they were doing well, right? And, you know, they've won 10 conference games. They're 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 making progress. And then Gabe goes down with a with an injury that, you know, maybe could be healed here soon. 
um, maybe by the conference tournament time. And then you get Raleigh on Saturday or yeah, Saturday that, that he went down with an injury, an ankle injury. And um, it's not looking like he'll probably go this week, barring some crazy recovery that, that Craig's not ruling out, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is a team that the depth wasn't necessarily there for them anyway. Um, They, they held on to a scholarship. Craig yesterday said that, you know, he, he had several opportunities to be able to sign a guy. It just didn't work out. And, and that's the way it, it happens. Um, but the reality is, is Utah's just not there yet, right? Like they're building. I think, you know, if, you, if you're going for the long term, you know, this is this is a great team to be able to, to watch. But I think it's it's one of those things that, you know, it, it's not quite there yet. And, and, and having UCLA and USC come to town this week. That just doesn't help with, no. with Dave out in Raleigh. So, it, it, you know, they're, they're going to do the best that they can. Look, if they can somehow squeak by and maybe still a win against USC and get a win against Colorado, you can stay above that that top four line, seed line in, in, in the conference and, and maybe get a buy in the in, in the Pac-12 tournament. And that that in, in and of itself would be a fantastic win for this Craig Smith program. So, look, if if, if they can get there, look, they were picked to, to finish 10th. Anything yeah. above that is, is better, right? If you finish 8th or you finish 6th, I think that's a good starting point. And I think that shows where Craig can be. I think the next step is Craig has to find a way to get the recruits. And if he can't get the mm-hmm. recruits, they're going to continue to be in this this spot. Craig can yeah. coach them. That's not a question. I think we've seen it. But he's got to be able to get the talent. He's got to be able to get the depth. He's got to find guys that are going to gel well with his team. Um, and right now, there's just not really a lot of great answers. You have freshman Wilkins, exact junior, who will probably fill in for Raleigh Wooster. There could mm-hmm. be some other Boston Holt, maybe some other guys. But there's just no real natural step that's like, okay, this is the guy that's there. Before, it was Lazar when Gabe went out, but now Gabe's out. And so you've got to kind of fill another role. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't have a lot of optimism about this week for this program. That doesn't mean that they're a bad team or that they don't have a lot of upside to them. Um, it's just not, it's just not where they need to be. And it, it, it honestly comes at the worst time for, for Utah. It really does. And, but I think overall, just looking at it from a season, I think if you told Utah fans and, before the season, like, Hey, with three games to go, you're going to be in a position to get 20 wins to end the regular season. Now we, they're more than likely not going to be UCLA and they're not going to be able to achieve that. But just to be in that position from a team that didn't win a game in January last year and only had 11 wins overall is still a huge step in the right direction. So it's going to be exciting and interesting to see what Coach Smith can continue to do by building and if he can get those high-profile recruits in to continue to put this program in a position for upward trajectory success. We're going to talk about the Utah Gymnastics Program who had a little bit of a stinker against Arizona State with a tough loss there but is still on the right track in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at RC Willie. RC Willie is hiring delivery drivers in the Salt Lake area. If you're looking for a rewarding career with a great group of people, come work for RC Willie, Utah's largest home furnishing store. RC Willie is currently hiring delivery drivers at their largest warehouse by the Salt Lake City Airport. Delivery drivers are the face of RC Willie, and they're looking for great delivery drivers in the northern Utah area. Compensation for delivery drivers is $24 an hour during training, and our average delivery driver makes fifty to 80000 per year. RC Willie offers a $1,000 sign-on bonus and hands-on training, including CDL training, but no CDL is required. Many of their employees have been with them for over 20 years with a modern fleet of delivery trucks rc willie provides themselves on going the extra mile for their customers and their employees rc willie associates say they love their job and the benefits are great and the culture at rc willie is one of the best come make a difference and join america's home furnishing store of choice apply online at rcwillie.com jobs that's rcwillie.com jobs josh utah gymnastics was in action not just once, but they will be twice by the time the week is over. They got a meet scheduled for Friday, too. But lost to Arizona State, the 22nd ranked Sun, Love, Sun Devils overall. They lost that one, 
57-55-0 to 197-500. And look, this Utah team, look, they remain ranked fourth because of the way things work in gymnastics that you can touch on a little more in a second. Um, 10-2 and two overall, 3-1 and one in conference. Don't love 0-2 on the road, but look, those two road losses are still to two ranked teams. So not like there's a huge reason to be concerned here, but um, it still feels like this Utah gymnastics team is in a good position and they got a great opportunity in a short week to get a bounce back win Friday. Yeah. Gymnastics is a little different because yes, you technically lose in the sense that you didn't score the, you know, higher than what the other team did that Uh you're going up against. But like Tom Farden, who's their head coach, he likes to say, he's like in gymnastics, you don't play off or defense, right? Mm. You play offense, you try to score as high as you possibly can, but there's no way that you can you know, limit what another team does. And so what you're doing is you're essentially playing against yourself. Uh, how, how gymnastics works is you've got, you've got to have your top six scores are, are recorded and then averaged out. You actually take out the, the highest. Um, three of those have to come on the road or at least a neutral site. And that score is average. So you can technically lose a meet, but as long as your scores are getting higher and everything, you can move up in the rankings. That 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 kind of throws people for a loop where there was a couple of years ago where I believe uh, Utah lost to, or UCLA lost to Utah, but then jumped them in the standings because they had a higher, what's called an NQS score. It's basically just the, the average. So it, it, it's different. Look, this this is not where Utah wants to be, especially losing to Arizona State. Um, they didn't score. Uh, they scored a, a fine score. It's not anything great. It, it it dropped one of their other scores that was part of the NQS. But the reality is, is they're 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 needing to find a way to be able to be consistent on all four events. Uh, they they didn't they didn't succeed on their vault. They really struggled there, and um, they had to count two lower scores that they weren't expecting to because one of the gymnasts fell down when 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 she landed, and so that that drops one of the scores pretty heavily. So. This is this is one of the things that they're trying to work on. They've been pretty consistent at the on beam where the, they lead the nation. The crazy thing is, is against Arizona State, Utah had its second highest score of the season on beam, which is still higher than anybody else in the country, and they still mm-hmm. lost the meet because of it. So, yeah. you, you definitely need a complete meet to be able to to get to where you need to go. Um, but U, Utah's got the you know they're okay. They've they've lost Grace McCallum for an unknown amount of time based on injury. Um, she hyperextended her knee on vault two weeks ago, and and so she's recovering, and she's been in a brace ever since then. But it, it doesn't sound like it's a season-ending injury, so maybe they can get her back before it's Pac-12 championships and then heading into regionals and nationals. But, um, you know, this is a team that has a lot of depth. I don't want to say, you know, they're not going to fill the loss of grace because they 100% do, but they have a lot of talent to be able to fill in for that. So, look, this is still the prominent team up on on the hill right this is the team that if you want to watch they're they're fun if you've never yeah. caught a gymnastics meet they're they're incredible to watch and um they're they're fun athletes to cheer for because they're they're just you know they they're flawless in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and so they're you know it's it's a good program and it's it's something that uh everybody should be paying attention to if you're into utah athletics and and especially into in gymnastics Flawless is a great word because my gosh, in football, you can like allow a sack and then you're like totally fine, but you can play a great rest of your game and you're good. Like you cannot mess up in gymnastics. You have to be perfect, which I know personally, like that would drive me insane. Like trying to be out there and compete that the smallest thing could ruin everything. So I give those girls so much credit for how hard they go out there and compete. And you mentioned, look, Utah gymnastics is the premier team right now, ranked fourth, but they have another Utah athletics has another premier team at the Huntsman, the Utah women's basketball program, huge game coming up against Stanford. Do you think Utah is going to be able to get the dub against the Cardinal? That, that's a good question. We we <laughs> I feel like it's a, a an injury theme here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> uh, Utah women's basketball has has suffered an injury to Alyssa Peely. Uh, she's mm-hmm. their leading scorer. She's been a phenomenal asset to this team. Sensational. Um, she's you know she's 
she's going to be fine. This isn't going to be a long-term thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and obviously Utah wants to beat Stanford, and I, I think they're going to try to get her ready for that game. Uh, Lynn Roberts doesn't necessarily want to say that she's ready just because she doesn't, you know, she wasn't able to practice yesterday. Yeah. So it, it, I think it's still a question. I think they're going to hold her out of the Cal game on Thursday, but I think this is an area where Utah can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Stanford. They, they mm -hmm. actually went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them on the road and, you know, against Stanford and, and did really well. It wasn't until the end where they kind of had a few turnovers and some mistakes that, that really limited them. But this is a, these are two power teams. You know, Utah's only lost three games all season. You know, they have the talent to be able to contend with Stanford. Stanford's still probably better uh, on paper, and they've got more all-around talent. But this Utah team is a lot of fun to watch. They, they score a lot of points. They've got some great defense. They've got a lot of uh, athletes that you can cheer around. And so this is going to be a great um, game on Saturday. It's in the afternoon. You can watch that and then go to the, the Utah-USC game later on in that day. Um, it, it's just a fun opportunity to be able to see that. And this is a program that is easily on the rise. Lynn Roberts has done a, a great uh, job with this program. Two years ago, they won five games. So this is, <laughs> you know, they're where they're at because of Lynn and, and the talent that she's been able to bring here and, and kind of uh, bringing you know, new people that buy into the program. So, you know, I'm interested to see what it is, whether they win on Saturday, I don't think matters because they're still going to get, you know, they're still going to be able to host the NCAA tournament here at the Huntsman Center. Um, and, and then maybe they can make a run in the, in the PAC 12 championship and, and, and face up probably with Stanford again. So, you know, they've got some opportunities, not all's lost. You, you could lose against Stanford on Saturday and then lose again in the conference championship. And they're still going to be in a good spot for, for the NCAA tournament and, and, and their hopes of, of trying to get into the, or the sweet 16. Two men's basketball games, two women's basketball game, and a gymnastics meet all in one weekend. Josh, where should people head if they want to get more content revolving around all those sports? <laughs> yeah, you can go to ksl.com where i'll be covering all that you can follow me on twitter at jfurksl um, i'll try to keep you updated on most of it uh we'll see if uh if i'm not dead by the end of the weekend and and if i am so be it it's probably probably a better thing <laughs> coming off all-star weekend too i should have added that in your intro as well josh yeah, furlong all nba all-star reporter too now <laughs> i don't know about that the all-star game is a waste i'll do i'll do I all know. the other stuff surrounding it but the all-star game is a waste so all-star celebrity game reporter. There you go. There you go. I like that. That was fun. Janelle Monet, you know, everybody, Guillermo. That was fun. It was fun. Guillermo. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Guillermo. I mean, that no. was that was he incredible. lit up the crowd. So you gotta you gotta enjoy that. And he had the pie pizza. So seriously, went in the crowd <laughs> over true. in multiple ways. <laughs> and then tried to take it to Shaq to get him, you know, Papa John's guy. Yeah, he yeah. <laughs> Appreciate Josh for joining us. If you guys are in the market for a second, listen every day. Make sure you guys check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, where expert Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, you can hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Reminder, tomorrow's episode of Locked On It's going to be Q&A focused, so make sure you guys send us in your questions to have them read out on the show big thanks to josh once again for joining us that's gonna do it for today's edition of locked on utes but we'll see you tomorrow